Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of JM Rewind. JM Rewind gives us a chance to check out some of the recent uh, guests and interviews that we've had on JM in the AM. Eitan Freilich is out with a brand new album. He joined me live via telephone from the United Kingdom to discuss um, his family situation and the release of the brand new album. Eitan Freilich, a recent guest of JM in the AM, here on JM Rewind at the Nahum Siegel Network. Well, Eitan Freilich is going to join us in a minute. He, um, <laughs> the, the challenge of, uh, releasing a brand new album, uh, uh, pales in comparison to the challenges that his family has had recently. We'll discuss all of this, uh, coming up here. Um, Eitan was scheduled for this morning. We gave him the option to postpone. He said, no, we'll explain all of this coming up here at JM in the AM. But first from the brand new album, uh, released, uh, last week. By Eitan Freilach, an album entitled Peace Will Come, Yavo Shalom. It all starts with Ivdu. Eitan Freilach is brand new on a new Music Alert Wednesday at JM in the AM. Hey. 
J.M. and the A.M. brand new from Eitan Freilach. Album is entitled Yavo Shalom, Peace Will Come. It's a new music alert Wednesday, and uh, Eitan Freilach is with us live via telephone. Eitan, good morning. Welcome back to J.M. and the A.M. Good morning, Nachum. Feels Pre- like uh, only yesterday that we spoke. That, that's true. And let me explain to the audience uh, some of the background of what's been happening over the last few weeks. Uh, Eitan and his wonderful wife, Gabriella, um, became uh, proud parents of preemie twins uh, just a couple of months ago. And as many people know, and Eitan and, and Gabriella have been very open about this and have been keeping everybody up to date in terms of what's happening in their lives. As uh, many people know, um, uh, Yeshaya Nassan, uh, the older of the preemies, is... Um, is progressing, Baruch Hashem, and uh, you know I'm somebody who knows a little bit something about the preemie parent experience, and Baruch Hashem, we uh, continue to pray for his refuah shlema. Uh, the unfortunate news, of course, that we learned last week is that Avidan Yehuda has uh, passed away, and therefore, Eitan, to you and, and your wonderful wife, um, as strange as this sounds, uh, but this is the first time we're speaking publicly. I'm going to say Mazal Tov to you, while at the same time I will say I hope that you are being comforted with all the good wishes uh, that are coming from around the world. No, you're, you're, you're 100% spot on. It definitely is a Mazal Tov. Um, you know, it's not been an easy ride, as you know, and, and it, 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 it definitely no part of the journey has been easy, but it, we've definitely been comforted by the messages and, and by the fact that we were happy and we were... I would say blessed to have a, a you know a beautiful I would say precious five weeks with with Avidan and uh, like both Gabriel and I and I, I really do speak for both of us and I don't always speak for both of us when it comes to music because we've got very different tastes but we, when it comes down to this and the important things you know we very much agree that 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 you know we we were the lucky ones we had the honor you know to be Avidan's parents we we were saying it last week at the Shiva that you know anyone. Anyone could have could have been his parents, and we were the lucky ones to have a, a son with a pure neshama, and, and and you know we're just grateful for those precious five weeks. So I, I, we mean that with a full heart when we say that. But thank you. Ah, <sighs> um, wow. Um, I think there are a couple of important messages here. Firstly, um, very often when someone goes through a tragic experience. Those around them and those in you know the the further outer circles around them very often don't know how to respond, what to say, prefer not to say anything. I, I think you can speak on behalf of those who've been through these uh, t- this type of difficult situation that you'd prefer to hear from people than not hear from them. Yeah, I mean, I, we we've sort of learned something along the way. Um, it's very hard. Some, sometimes people say funny things and silly things, and some people, as you said, don't say anything. And then some people also, you know, are very open, and they, and they tell us their experiences. And, and what we've sort of learned is that everyone firstly means well, but also, unfortunately, we've learned that this, this, you know, there's so many, everyone has their own experiences. Everyone in life has their, their troubles and their problems. And if they want to be open, they should be allowed to be open. And if they want to be quiet, we thought, you know, we, we, we sort of say to each other, then, then obviously they should be comfortable in being quiet. And everyone should, every, but everyone experiences things. You know, originally a couple months ago when, when we, we, we had gone for some scans and, and whatever, we went to one of our, like, ba- favorite bagel places, and we sat down there. And, and no one knew anything at that point. And we, and we, like, looked around the room and we said, you know, we're sitting here smiling and laughing because that's what we do. We always smile and laugh. And... 
and, and we looked around the room, and no one knew anything, and everyone else probably also has their own things. Everyone's got sorrows, everyone, unfortunately, but this is, this is part of life, and, and it's just a matter of how you, how you deal with it and how you cope with it. And our way was, honestly, we, 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 we went downstairs to the consultant who, who actually delivered the babies, and we actually just said, thank you, thank you. Um, um, he, he actually, is very funny, he called himself a tool of God. So and and he you know he for us he is a tool of God he's a messenger and and he said you know you know I tried to do what I thought was best and we and we thanked him for for right. that and, and we thank Hashem for the five weeks we had and, and I, I truly say this and, and and I do want to say something positive is that you know our other son is in intensive care he sort of went back to intensive care but we, we want to stay positive with him because we feel the words are very very powerful as well and and if we say positive things. And in Yisrael Hashem, positive things will happen, and, and we're very proud of him. I was with him until like 2 o'clock in the morning last night. Yeah. So, Yeah, I'm, I can imagine it's dominating your life. Um, the, uh, the, first, the first point, there is something, and maybe any you know, medical personnel that's tuned in uh, would appreciate this. There, there is something when you're in a situation like this where the doctor acknowledges that I'm only doing my best, whatever God can, you know, can help me do. You know, let's put it that Absolutely. way. And, and that's very, very reassuring uh, to a patient or to a patient's parent when, when you know you're dealing with a medical professional who knows that ultimately this is all up to God. And I think... A hundred percent. What I also found interesting, uh, going from what you've just said, is that the doctors had no idea that this was going to happen. He was actually... Avidan Yehuda was doing really, really well. Um, and we said last week how even if he wasn't doing well, it's still, you know, it, it, it was Hashem's plan, and, and obviously it is. But, but the fact that he was actually doing really well and that he, he was actually on the up and the next day he was supposed to come off life support and he was, he was doing really, really well just shows us that really was his, his time to go. He, yeah. You know, that was, that was his moment. He was supposed to be in the world for five weeks exactly. And, 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 and he brought us, I mean, he brought us so much strength because... I get messages, I, I, you know, we try our whole life to do, you know, everyone tries in their life to do good things and, and, and bring good things to the world. But, you know, our son has achieved in five weeks what many people still haven't achieved. I, I got a message, I think, big, uh, end of last week from somebody who told me that they haven't, they've, they've only dovened, well, they've, they've struggled with God, they told me, for, for a couple of years, and they, they haven't dovened Shimon Esri, Amida, for, for, I think, years, she says. And uh, she wants to thank her. She said she dovened her, her first Amido in, in a long, long time. And he, she dovened it for Yashai Nostrum, for my eldest son, who's still in intensive care. And she, she, asked, she said, thank you for giving me a reason to speak to Hashem again. And I thought that was really, really powerful. You never and, know, uh, huh? You never know. You, never, you absolutely never know. And, and, and that, that, that's what we say. You know, he's brought our strength, you know, and, and we want to pass that strength on to everyone. That, you know, everything's meant to be, and we truly believe that. And I thought it was quite fitting you chose Ibdu. As the first song, well, that's the first song on the album because we wrote that. And I'm, you have you seen how I'm smoothly transitioning this one here? <laughs> but uh, no, but we did. We, we, I'm being honest with you. We wrote that at the time um, where where we we wanted to say that whatever happens, every day is a new day, and every day is a new day, and every day we can find something good in it. And I promise you, you know, that every day. Since this whole tragic, the tragic events have happened, we have tried to find something good in every day, and and and, and you know we sort of live by the concept of that, and yeah. uh, that and sort I, of gets us through it. As and well. I and I will Eitan Freilich get back to the music in a moment. I just want <laughs> I want to bring up one other point that I think is sure. important. You know, for, for those of us who are parents who have been told, you know, your child may not make it through the night, and you know, we yeah. we, we had that experience. Uh, so so we obviously have a different perspective. 
on childbirth and and the miracle of it. I think that that one of the th- I think I mentioned this too in in the email I sent you. Um, yeah. I think one of the things that that we can all um, transmit to others through these experiences is that we all have to remember when someone goes to the hospital and gives birth easily and you know with hopefully a short labor uh, to a he- to a healthy boy or girl and then goes home a day or two later. We have to remember what kind of miracle that is. How how every one of those journeys is so miraculous, and thank God we've gotten to a point, both in terms of uh, the, with the number of children being born, Baruch Hashem, and with the type of medical situations we have in most of these countries, Baruch Hashem, where you know the normal the normal thing is that a child is born healthy, thank God, and taken home, and and that's it, and let's go start our lives. But uh, I think it's important that these types of things remind all of us who thank God have healthy children. That that journey, the entire journey, is is uh, is such a miraculous one. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. Totally, totally agree with you. Very, very special. I, I'm telling you, I, I I was in the the um, the neonatal department yesterday, and I sort of thought, you know, Hashem must really be with that department because <laughs> it, it didn't exist. It didn't exist. I mean, fifty, sixty years ago, they told me it was it never existed. Uh, I right. don't know about America, but in the UK, right. and. Um, and, and so it's unbelievable that, that you know these, these children are given a chance, you know, because of, of, of medical research and whatever and whatever they, they, they do. It's, it's very very special. Hashem, I, always, I feel that Hashem is really really. I'll tell you something very. I mean, I, I'm very happy to say this, but in, in our room in intensive care, there's four babies in a room, and at one point they were all Jewish babies, and uh, we even said at one point we should put a mezuzah on the door. <laughs> and uh, but Baruch Hashem, all those babies that were in the room, except for ours, but, but besides the point, all those babies that were in the room have have moved have moved up and and it made me really really happy to hear and we've really got friendly with a lot of the people there and it's something very 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 special and uh, so there, there is good news every single day yeah. you know for these parents and i think no, that's very very special no as well. no question about it All right eitan frelox with us live via telephone we uh, uh continue to daven for yeshaya nasan uh he should get stronger and stronger eitan and um, Amen. And, um, and 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 this entire miracle of of his birth and uh, and progress should continue. All right, um, we played Ivdu. I mean, the history. It's funny. A lot of people would have put this on hold. A lot of people would have certainly put this conversation <laughs> on hold. But you're you're ready to remind everybody that you're out there to uh, to entertain, to inspire, to bring people to a higher level. One hundred percent. We are we are so. Everyone said to me at the time, let's postpone the CD, let's postpone the album, and we said, why do we stop bringing Simcha when we need Simcha at the most? You know, this is the time that we need it the most. So, so when was this? No stopping us there. So when was this officially completed? So we actually completed it in August. Um, and we wanted to wait till after circus to bring it out, uh. and um, so we were, you know, it, it was a it was a labor of love. We started in in January. I was at your studio in January, right. and we were writing the songs there. Uh, I had met with Yitzi Waldner and Eddie Schwab, all the well-known composers. I sat down with, and uh, and yeah, from there it sort of you know spiraled into this this amazing project that sort of also happened very very quickly. Who wrote uh, the uh, Who wrote the Ivdu that we started with? So Ibdu was, was actually one of the producers of the album. My friend here, one of my very good friends, Louis Herrschaft, he, um, he wrote Ibdu and Shirul Hashem, and Ibdu he composed with Yitzhi Wudna. So That's it was a cool. collaboration. All right, with your permission, maybe we should do Shirul Hashem now. Shirul Hashem is, yeah, and, and both of those songs, Ibdu and Shirul Hashem, were words by Miriam Israeli. So even more special, and I, I definitely think Shirul Hashem is one to play. Yeah, she's a great lyricist, and we get the, a chance to hear the song. Eitan Freilich is with us live via telephone. From the UK, he had enough time to uh, leave the hospital for an hour 
to uh, speak with us and uh, and update us on his family situation and on his music situation, which is pretty amazing with a brand new album entitled Peace Will Come, Yavo Shalom. It's called Shira Lashem. It's a new music alert Wednesday at JM in the AM. J.M. in the A.M. Eitan Freilach with us on a new music alert Wednesday. Uh, Eitan in the U.K. We here in our, we are here in our studio in New York. Got time for a couple of more selections off the brand new album. Uh, some really good look. It's all about good songs, Eitan. We've discussed this, and you really you reached out and found some really good composers for this album. 
No, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy with how it turned out. It, it was a very different album I found to the last one because I learned a lot in the, in the two years that followed for this album, and I found that I was able to input, basically on every single song, I was able to input my own concepts uh, my own, from my own experiences and memories through life. Um, we, when I came to visit you in January, I had visited Eddie Schwab, right. and I took out this booklet uh, from my wedding, with, uh, which, which Gabriella actually used under the chuppah. And we sort of went through loads of pages, and, and we got to the end, and we found these words, and they were very meaningful and special to us, and a lot of um, colors... A lot of brides will, will, will recognize the words. Uh, this was from the song Hashke Na, which it ended up Hashke Na. And we literally wrote it there and then. And uh, in, the, in the booklet of the album, I dedicated, you know, I, I dedicated a lot of the album to Gabriella. But I find that like, musicians and singers, uh, you know, everyone sees them and they sort of forget that at home there's like a wife and family and kids and, and whatever. And, and, and they also have a part in their life because ultimately, you know, we're, it, it's not the most sociable uh, job because we're out a lot of the nights and it sort of has an impact on their life too so i very much say that gabriella i said to gabriella in 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 the album dedication i said um you know uh we live and breathe these concepts in music and and we do we actually do it together although i'm the one singing it's very much a partnership because you know she's the one that encourages me very much so and 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 definitely encourages me to be out most of the nights of the week so I'm very happy to, and this is a very, very special song to write with Ellie. So. It's funny you mention, and we'll get to the song in a second, it's funny you mention that because um, there are people curious if you're able, with everything happening over the last uh, month or two, if you're able to yeah. keep up any time of appearance schedule. Has that... Uh... No, I, I don't. I, just like this interview, I didn't cancel. I, I, want, you know, I said to, to, to you guys that I, I really, really wanted to go ahead with the, with the interview. I don't like canceling Simchas. I, I said to you before, you know, when you need Simcha, it gives me the energy. It gives me... Uh, it gives me the uh, the power to continue what what we're doing, and this is this is what life's mission is, and we need to keep going. We don't want to stop and don't want to cancel. So I actually often a lot of the um, simchas are in hotels. I'm in town with my son, right. and, and and a lot of the simchas are, are nearby. So I literally <laughs> will walk over there. I don't even have to get a car. I walk over, I sing, and then I come back afterwards at 12 o'clock at night. I'm allowed 24/7 with my son in hospital. So it's sort of a unique experience that I'm having at the moment. <laughs> that, that's funny, huh? The silver lining, huh? That's yeah, exactly. You've got to find good in everything. <laughs> that's, that's exactly it. All right, you mentioned uh, Hashkena. Here it is for everybody at JM in the AM. Be a havo, the reus, but now. 
J.M. in the A.M., brand new Eitan Freiluch. He's with us live via telephone. That definitely, that gives me a big smile, Nachum, because that, that, that brought back memories. It was a good song. Amazing. That is a good one. <laughs> uh, name yeah, it. I don't know if you've seen it. Have you seen the front cover, Nachum? Yeah, I have, but um, uh, how, do I, how do I put this? Uh, it's easier for a guy like me if I had it in front of me. You guys, <laughs> you guys these days... Insist- we'll get you a coffee, Right, man. exactly. You guys these days insist on putting it on the computer. Did you actually release a real CD to this or not? Yeah, we did. We did. We'll get you a copy sent over. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was an amazing experience just sort of taking the front cover picture because the whole, the whole point was like 
to make the album slightly different to any other album. And we wanted, we were like, how should we do that? So, so someone had the idea to bring in a drum, and we had Nakama um, um, take a, from Nakama's photography. She took, she took a this picture. She had to take about I think 600 pictures with like water gushing everywhere. And I think the worst part of the whole the whole experience, because it was quite funny, but I think the worst part was like the neighbors coming to complain about the noise of the drumming. <laughs> so that was a that was a particular experience. I won't ever sort of leave my uh, leave, leave my mind. But I'm 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 looking at it right now. So I'm trying to. I mean, I, I I hear what you're saying. It doesn't look it doesn't look as complicated as you just described. Let's put it that oh, way. Oh, it was. <laughs> it was. A, it took a lot of people involved as well. One person was pouring the water. One person was doing the lighting. One person was holding the drum from underneath. It was a it was a right um, a right kerfuffle to make. I'm telling you, but it was it was good fun. I'm glad you mentioned this because now yeah, I, I had to pick a suit, Nachum. I had to pick a suit that I'm happy to get wet. Now- <laughs> <laughs> now, now I have a greater appreciation for the cover. Eitan Freilach, Yavo Shalom, Peace Will Come. It's the name of the album. I assume this is available everywhere. What should people do who want this album? It's it's available on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Play, uh, Niggin Music, Mostly Music, literally anywhere you want it. I'm sure it's available. Has the real CD gotten to the U.S. yet or not? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, 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 from Niggin uh, Music was telling me yesterday that it's been shipped to all stores. All right. So, you know, if it's not in the store, you should let them know and they'll, they'll get it in. All right. Eitan Freilich, Yavo Shalom, Peace Will Come. Ask for it, everybody, and check it out. You can search online. Eitan, uh, we'll do one more as we say goodbye. What would you like to choose off of the brand-new album? I'm sort of thinking that it wouldn't be right to do an interview with you, Nachum, if we didn't play Yavo Shalom. Ah, okay. That's a, <laughs> that's a good point. All right, so we'll do the title track. Listen, to you, Gabriella, to um, uh, to uh, Yeshaya Nasson. Uh, Thank you. The very best going forward. There are a lot of people out there uh, keeping him in mind every single day, as you know. Thank you. It's Yeshayan and Ben Shira Gittel. So if you could all dive in, do any good deed and action, we'd be really, really, really grateful. Yeshayan Nusson Ben Shira Gittel. Sarah Gittel? Shira, Shira. Oh, like Shira. Sure, yeah. that's, that's pretty cool. He married somebody yeah. named Shira. Um, <laughs> it got mentioned just a few times at the wedding. Now I can imagine. Yeshaya Nussan <laughs> Ben Shira Gittel. Yeshaya Nussan Ben Shira Gittel for a Rafur Shlema. And thank you for sharing all that you've shared with us this morning. A lot of life lessons from your experience. And I hope I, I hope the next few weeks really go well and that things uh, and that the, the, the miracle accelerates itself uh, with, Amen. The, with, Amen. The hel- with the help of the one above. Thank you, Eitan, and best regards. Thanks, best regards to everybody. Uh, and as we said, we will wrap up with the title track. Yavo Shalom, Eitan Freilich. The name of the album is Peace Will Come, and you are listening to JM in the AM.
That was my conversation with Eitan Freilich. Congratulations to him on the brand new album. Uh, up next, Rabbi Ron Yitzchak Eisenman, author of Shul with a View, was a recent guest in studio at JM and the AM. We had an opportunity to discuss some of the stories that he wrote about in the book and his involvement with Mishbacha magazine and his involvement as the rabbi of one of the most active shuls in the state of New Jersey. Rabbi Ron Yitzchak Eisenman on this edition of JM Rewind here at the Nahum Siegel Network. The book is called Shul with a View, a rabbi's personal journal. Rabbi Ron Yitzhak Eisenman is in our studio this morning here at JM in the AM. He's rabbi of Congregation Avas Israel in Passaic, New Jersey, a renowned speaker and writer. And Shul with a View is based on his popular column in Mishpacha magazine and includes plenty of new material as well to my I don't want to say old, but my longtime friend, Rabbi Ron Eisenman, welcome to JM in the AM. Thank you so much, Nochum. And as like you said, uh, we go back to our days on WYUR, uh, probably almost uh, more than 30 years ago, probably close to 40 years ago. Yeah, I'd say over 20. That's about, right. that's about uh, all I'll admit to. Right. <laughs> um, mazel tov on the book. Thank you so much. How did this start? with Mishpacha magazine. Why is Rabbi Ron Yitzchak Eisenman writing a regular column for a weekly magazine? That is an excellent question. Interestingly enough, about 2008 or so, I don't exactly remember, probably 10 years ago, I began to put out, just for the shul, an email called The Short Vort. And initially, it was more divrei Torah, but I realized, honestly, I didn't have to remake the wheel. There were many people doing that. So I be, it, I be, it morphed into more of my personal musings, my thoughts, anecdotes which occurred, and sort of, as they say nowadays, what went viral 
was that I wrote a piece of uh, why am I I'm a chassid of the Belzarebi after the terrible uh, massacre in Merkaz Harav Yeshiva. I was very touched and very moved that the, the Rebbe, although obviously he's not part of the religious Zionist movement, right. he visited the injured in the hospital and he attended the funeral. And I just put it out there, and honestly, a um, little while after that, Mishpacha magazine contacted me if they can print it. And a few months after that, they asked me if I would begin writing a regular column. Uh, do you write it, in fact, on a weekly basis, or, or some of them are repeats, or sometimes you're not in the magazine? How often do you write for them? Uh, so right now, I, I write every other week. It's mm-hmm. never a repeat, but right. I write every other week. New material each uh, every other week. Yeah. Um, and uh, <laughs> there are rabbis that have written books about their experiences, and often people would say to them, oh, my gosh, Rabbi, does everything happen to you? Like, you know, it seems like you're, you're involved in every crazy situation, but I think any rabbi that would write a book would have a lot of interesting stories about their community, especially large and active communities like yours. Do, do you understand that after I read this, I, in fact, said, oh, my gosh, Rabbi Eisenman, everything seems to happen to him, every possible situation a rabbi can get himself into, he has experienced? Yes, many pe- many people have had that same reaction. But honestly, I always respond that it's not just a purview of the rabbi. I honestly believe, I have no doubt, frankly, you, Reb Nochem, in your life could probably write the same, if not a better book, because you've, you've probably met everybody from every stretch of the Jewish and even outside the Jewish world. And all of us meet special people coming here every day. I mean, just to give you a very quick example... When I walked here and I saw that on going down Grand, it said 550 Grand, right. and you told me we're at 551 Grand. Right. So quickly I asked two people, not non-Jewish people, and they were so helpful. They said, oh, well, you have to go here. 551 must be across the street. And, you know, already it was a special, it was a special occasion. It was a special incident. So I think keeping your eyes open, uh, everybody experiences these more often than we realize. Right. But I will add that a lot of these stories are particular for a rabbi, particular for those who host a lot of people at their Shabbos table. Again, typical for a rabbi in Rebetzin. Typical for someone who's in the front of the shul and notices, quote-unquote, strangers walk in, you know, with, with needs, requests, etc. You ha- You have a unique niche in the area of meeting interesting people and having interesting things happen to you. Right, correct. But that's definitely true. But I must stress that what's... The, everyone's precious to me, and all the stories are precious. But the stories about my family and the stories about my children, like anybody else, they're the most precious to me. And uh, and everyone who has children, Baruch Hashem, could, in fact, write those types of stories after their experiences with their own kids. Yeah. Rabbi Eisenman is here. The book is called Shul with a View, available everywhere, right? No, everywhere. No, no trouble getting it. With a big shout-out to our friends at Shara Press Art Scroll, right? Right. Rabbi Zlatowicz and Rabbi Sherman Literally, they were malachim, angelic to deal with. They were the, the nicest, friendliest, made everything so easy for me. It was literally seamless and perfect, everything from, from A to Z. No, I'm sorry. No, I'm just very, very indebted to them and have a lot of gratitude to both Rabbi Zlatowicz and Sherman. Um, I want to ask you about some specific stories, but first, as I mentioned to you off the air, I have not been in your synagogue for about 10 years. Um, and it's, it, from what I hear, it has turned into a synagogue that, as you described to me earlier, now has 40 minyanim every day, which would mean 
that, for instance, last night, once the time for Mariv uh, arrives, I would guess there's many, many minyanim for Mariv. Through the day, many minyanim for Mincha, and obviously each morning you have your choice of many shacharis. How has your shul turned into that type of atmosphere? Well, obviously, tremendous siyata deshmai of obviously Hashem's hand in having this, but um, at one point also about, it must have been about seven, eight, nine years ago, I don't remember exactly, thank God it's, an old, it's a very big building and there are numerous rooms we can daven in. And I came up with this idea that there's a need that people people want a minion on demand. I mean, I don't like to call it like that, <laughs> right. but, but it's not like the old days anymore where people want a minion on demand, and uh, we were able to fill that void and create that niche. There are so many Jews in the Passaic Clifton area. Yes, and not only that, we get a, a huge amount of Jews who land in Newark Airport, right? especially at 4 or 5 in the morning. And now they know that you're around the clock, so they can just show up any time. So, so I, I mean, I'm, I'm just so curious in my own head to compare you to other shuls like this that I've seen in Yerushalayim, Bar Park, etc. How many men from Mariv were there last night, in your estimation? Well, the first Mariv would have been at 5.10. Right. And the last Mariv would have been at 11.30 p.m. And they're approximately a half hour apart. About, but one point at around between 9 and 10, they're every 15 minutes. So to say last night you had 20 Marivs is, is for sure. Correct. 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 And, in fact, we've had incidents where one of the Lakewood Russia yeshiva was coming in to uh, be Menachem Oval, pay a shiva call to someone, and as he was leaving, he said it was about 11.30. During Ben Azmanim, you know, when the yeshivas are off, we actually have a, a midnight minion for Marivs. Oh, my Gosh. And and he asked somebody, and it was like ten to twelve. That there's no way there's a Marv here, is there? And the host said, "Yes, there is. That they have us." So we actually had one of the Russian yeshivas of Lakewood daven at the midnight minion one day. To have twenty Marvs last night, you need at least two hundred men over thirteen years old. Correct. And you had that. You had over two hundred men, thirteen and over, last night in your shul. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, more. Most minyanim, I would say. Yeah, I understand that. I'm yeah. just saying minimum of that. Right. right. I mean, it's, it's it's mind-boggling to me, frankly. Maybe I just don't realize how. Uh, you're there how many years? 20 years in Passaic? 21. In, in the shul, I'm 21 years. So now. in 21 years, your estimate, not in raw numbers, but has it doubled, tripled? What would you say the community has done in those 20 years that you've been there? I think when I, when I arrived in the community in 1989, I think there were 200 families. That's almost 30 years ago. Okay. I think current estimates put it at somewhere between 1,800 and 2,000 families. Oh, so we're talking about a major difference. Yeah, major wow. difference. Unbelievable. Major. Yes. Rabbi Ron Yitzchak Eisenman is here. We're talking about the Avas, which is Avas Israel, Avas Israel in Passaic, New Jersey. Right. It is the only, not that this is a, uh, you know, not that anybody would expect any of them uh, to be, but it's the only uh, shul in the Passaic Clifton area where you could literally get minyanim round the clock. Uh, wrapping up around midnight and starting again, I assume, for, for Vasikin and earlier when necessary. Right. Well, now the first minion is, is earlier, right. correct. When, yeah. Right. At the earliest time you can dive in. Right. Are you in the shul a good part of the day? Um, yeah. Most truthfully, a lot of the day. I, I also teach uh, in Turo College. I'm an adjunct professor there. When I'm not teaching in Turo, I'm off, yeah, most of the day I'm in the shul. Is it round-the-clock right. minyanim on Shabbos, or Shabbos would act like a normal shul would? 
Well, Shabbos in the morning, we have three different minyanim. Uh, right, but that uh, would be common for a lot of right. schools, right? But we have many minchas. We uh, have many minchas. And, and there are two marivs, an early marv and a late marv that we do have right. also. Is it the well. geography? I'm sorry for being so fascinated by this. Is it the geography? Is it the menu? Is it the rabbi? What attracts so many people to use Avas as the round-the-clock place? Well, it happens to be very centrally located, the shul. It's well, that's located, important. Yeah, Van Houten and High Street. Right. Uh, it happens to be that... Uh, like I said, it's it's very well run. You mentioned Yerushalayim, right. but, but we're probably actually in the entire world the only Ashkenazi, uh, quote unquote, you know, yeah, no, so mu- Ashkenaz, right, right? Multiple minion place, right. which is Ashkenaz, not Chasidish, right. and plus the minyanim run exactly on time, right? And that's due to a lot of people. You know, we have a. Person Jonathan Patinsky, who's very, very so the six p.m. Marif tonight will start at six p.m. Not, and zero seconds exactly, and zero. So we have <laughs> digital clocks in all the rooms, and the minyanim begin exactly when I they're love supposed it. to. I absolutely love it. I got to come visit again, please, my Ron And now I know I can get a minion any time. So. Yes. <laughs> Our Ronnie Tzagaisman is here. The book is called Shul with a View. I picked five stories because it's a million stories in here, but I said I got to at least choose, right? You know, five to mention on the air and and to ask you about just to get your reaction to them. Um, so you're at a wedding, you're at a wedding. They can't find the wedding ring, or someone left the wedding ring at home, right? And you're witnessing this not as the Masada Kedushin. You're witnessing this from your chair, you know, as a guest at the wedding, right? And a woman. Uh, comes running up or, you know, whatever the case is, or shouts from the back, uh, take my ring, I will gift it to the chatan, right? I will gift it to the groom. Correct. And let him then, then he can do whatever he wants with it, and obviously, you know, he wants to marry his wife, he could use it for the kedushin, right? right? And now, and you point out that the caterer, the musicians, everybody who's nervous now that things are stalling and they're not going to be able to continue, now they're everything's wonderful because this woman has... Gifted the ring, and then you say that 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 very often you encounter. I forgot the character's name, but you may recall it. Cynical Sam. Cynical Sam. Very often you encounter cynical Sam, which all of us have been at, at one point or another. Who's now saying to himself, "Oh boy, probably can't stand her husband. Couldn't wait to you know to get rid of the ring. Oh boy, now he's going to say to her husband, I need a new ring because look at the chesed I did, and uh, and other thoughts going through cynical Sam's mind.' And then you point out at the end of the story. That you and I am cynical. That Sam. you are cynical, Sam. Right. Because it, it's difficult sometimes for us to appreciate the sincerity behind an act like that. That's true, and I also want to point out, uh, as a, a very good friend of mine, uh, Rabbi Avram Aronovich Zechitzadik Levrach, unfortunately passed away at a very young age uh, last year. But as he once told me, he was a, my best friend. Basically, he said. There's one thing I learned about you, Rabbi Eisman, is that you taught me the lesson that rabbis are human too. Mm. And you know, just because you have the title rabbi, that doesn't uh, free you from the normal foibles that we all have and you know, our cynicism and et cetera, et cetera. So I try to impress that on the, in the book a lot. And I'm glad you say that because in this era when there is this impression among many that in fact – uh, certain rabbis cannot possibly be wrong or can possibly make a mistake. It's an important thing to remember. Correct. And, and yeah, I think the the idea that the recognition that the rabbi is as human and has as human needs as anybody else, if that would be one of the goals that I achieved in this book and I was successful at it, I would be very satisfied. You mentioned a story where um, you, your wife is flying to Israel, I think with some other family members because of a simcha, thank God. 
and it turns out that you and only one of your children is going to be home for that Shabbos. Right. And number one, you're concerned, and boy, I, th- this one I loved. Number one, you're concerned if anybody in the neighborhood finds out that you and your daughter are alone, it's going to become the issue of the entire neighborhood because, you know, we have to make sure that the rabbi and his daughter have meals and that they, that they you know, that, that, that someone's there to care for them, etc. So right. you're trying to keep this on the lowdown, as they say in the vernacular, right? Right. You're trying not to get the word out. Right. <laughs> and you mention how, thank God, and you say this obviously from a very positive point, of you, that although your wife's away, and again, thank God for his simcha, but your wife and other children are away, you have this amazing opportunity to literally, you know, scrape together, and I, of course, say that, you know, jokingly, scrape together a couple of meals and just spend this quality time with your daughter, who, and we know how difficult it is to have one-on-one time with our kids, everyone's so busy, etc., and I am sure you look back at that Shabbos with tremendous fondness. Yeah, that was a very precious, precious Shabbos. That was my, with my youngest daughter, Aviva. And looking back, honestly, it, it was a very unique and precious and cherished opportunity I had for us to be able to, to bond together without anybody, without any distractions. Without... And schmooze about stuff you would never schmooze otherwise exactly. about. Exactly, and, you know, and just relax on our chairs, sit back, not worry about, you know, who's watching us, who's looking. It was, yeah, it was a very, very special and unique Shabbos, which to this day I... I'm very thankful that I had that opportunity. Unbelievable. That you even remember it this fondly years later is incredible. Uh, You mentioned a story about um, a woman who has sent two checks, uh, meaning uh, checks payable to the synagogue, one to the synagogue for membership and one to the synagogue for the rabbi's fund. Right. And you couldn't understand how this woman, especially in her financial situation, you knew it was a difficult situation, you didn't understand what this was about and that there were two checks and in small amounts, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Correct. You find I'm, I'm giving the very short version to one of your longer stories, but eventually you call her, et cetera, and she says that the reason she sent these checks right. was because you had changed her day last Wednesday, that her Wednesday was going terribly and that you – and now, now you are hesitant to follow up with her because you don't know what she's talking about. You, you know, like you're trying to think: Did I give her a ride? Did I like what did I do? Right. And you can't think of what. But thank God she volunteered the information. What did you do that changed her Wednesday? Well, interesting. I still remember the incident. I'm I'm walking on Van Houten Avenue, which is a main street in Passaic towards my block, and I see her across the street. And uh, I mean, if you can say we make eye contact from about fifty feet, but. Right. We make some sort of eye contact, and I actually just waved to her. I just waved and maybe mouthed good morning, and she just, a day or two later, I got this letter from her, and when I called her, she said everything was going wrong that morning. You know, I spilled the coffee. I woke up late. My mother called me. Why am I not married yet? And then the rabbi waved at me and mouthed good morning, and the whole day changed, and the whole day changed. To the point that she wrote two checks to the shul. Yeah. She wrote two checks, yeah. And you're saying to yourself, as you say in the story at the end, imagine that this little gesture that, again, to you was, you know, second nature, so to speak, and automatic. (laughs) You didn't even go out of your way to do it. And this this changed her day in that way. Right. And and I always wonder, you know, as you mentioned the checks to the shul, uh, you know, kicking myself, I didn't cross the street and Could have got maybe a bigger chance. Here's Cynical Sam. Cynical Sam. There he is. There he is. Rabbi Rod Yitzchak, guys, and the book is called Shul with a View, Arts Girl, Shar Press. It's available everywhere, and we highly recommend it. You mentioned a story about the um, a gentleman who insists on seeing you before Rosh Hashanah. Right. 
and uh, he is, and you'll tell me if I'm telling this incorrectly, he is um, reminding you when he finally shows up because he, he made an appointment with you, did not keep it. It's Erev Rosh Hashanah. You know, it's, you know, there's a lot to do for a rabbi Erev Rosh Hashanah, and you're somewhat irritated, I think you could say, right. that he's not keeping to the schedule. He finally shows up minutes before candle lighting, and uh, he says to you that the reason he was desperate to meet with you before Rosh Hashanah uh, is because you had not helped him get his daughter into a certain seminary in Israel. Is that accurate? That's accurate. And he, it took him, this is how he puts it, it took him, I assume this is one of your balabatim, it took him until minutes before Yuntif to finally forgive you fully in his heart, and that's why he couldn't show up at 12 noon when you wanted him to to meet you. He, that's how long it took him to actually completely forgive you. He wanted to show up and tell you, I have completely forgiven you for that. That's correct. your reaction to that episode. That's correct. A reaction to that, which has been emphasized many times to me, is that you know, being a rabbi, obviously, you sit up in front. You know, people say, uh, "What does the rub think?" or all these things can lead, honestly, to you know, needing a bigger hat size after a while. And once again, he proved to me that you know, I'm just as human and have just as many flaws as anybody else. And that was something which was, was very humbling, which, truthfully, I appreciated very much. Uh, as notwithstanding, obviously, I was somewhat embarrassed. But the fact that he was able to tell me that made me realize that, especially in Erev Rosh I think I'm the one who's needed by everyone. Right. But in truth, I really needed him more than he needed me. And you're able to get through that night's Rosh Hashanah service, or it, was, it weighed on you nonetheless? Well, I guess it weighed on me enough that uh, after Rosh Hashanah, I wrote the uh, I wrote the piece, so I still right. remember it, and right. it's still a, a humbling episode. But honestly, a humbling episode, which I think I hopefully grew from, right. and would continue to grow. See, from. it's not just telling stories; it's also, I think, the the depth of appreciation for each episode that you convey in your Shul with a View article. You understand what I'm saying? Like, without that, I think just the the actual tale, the actual, uh, you know, uh, story would not be as powerful. And I appreciate you say that because um, I really do believe, and I, I try to put this into, to implement it, but each person, each human being, to be honest, you, Jew and non-Jew, is created as the Mishnah and Pirkei of us as a Tzalem Elohim, some sort of form of God. And each person is literally a wellspring and a treasure trove of of special qualities that if we give them the time and we pay enough attention we'll we'll discover diamonds in each and every person and an inspiration and lessons to be learned and uh, and to grow from so true Rabbi Rania Tzalgeisman is here. Uh, I'll turn to you in a minute if you want to mention any of the specific stories or anything you'd like this audience to know. But the last one I'll quote or I'll tell is. Um, this somewhat complicated story, the reason it got me is because I am a, I'd like to think I'm a fighter, although I think that may be overstating it, but I'm certainly a big believer in proper burial for Jewish people. And I also feel that if someone has spent their life completely out of the Jewish faith, with aside from the title, you know, having a Jewish mother, uh, even if they've done, you know, nonetheless, uh, one should make an effort to try to have them buried properly ka'alacha. Uh, obviously, from the way you tell your story, you believe <laughs> you believe the same thing, and you have a congregant who, uh, if I I don't know if I have this right, is it a congregant with a relative, 
And again, one of these typical challenges that that the only lone relative of this person that they know is um, wants to have the a cremation done, uh, which of course would be completely against halachic uh, um, uh, procedure. And there's somebody in your shul who uh, there, 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 somebody recommends that this relative contact a cousin or some other relative who's in your shul, a balchuva who's now a frum person in your shul. Correct. And yes. and they make arrangements to um, to have proper burial. Right. And it ends up that the relative who wanted to just, the son, I think it was a son, was who, a wanted, son who wanted to go deceased. through with his mother's cremation, not right. only acknowledges, thank God, that she was buried properly, but actually ends up paying for the entire thing because he feels... That would be the proper thing to do. Correct. At the end, he sends a check to right. uh, and the, his cousin or whoever right, took care of it. Right. That, that, was, that was also a very moving episode, and especially how this uh, Balabas, who I know wants to preserve his anonymity, but how he went out of his way. He you know, he he flew down with his son-in-law, and then they had to rent a car to uh, to drive to this city out there and wherever it was, Virginia, I forget now, and. Uh, and to and they met the rabbi and to make sure this was a, a Jewish burial. But if you remember in that story, that as they're leaving, as they're leaving the cemetery, the rabbi, who was semi-orthodox, whatever, but was a nice man, he approaches the. He asked. They ask him. The my congregant asks him, "Can you just tell me anything about my aunt? I really haven't kept up with hers." So the rabbi thinks for a minute and says. You know, I remember when she first joined the synagogue 20 years ago, she joined our Hevra Kedisha. She joined our burial. Society, man. And who would have, you know, imagined that 20 years later that that schus, that merit, would come uh, would come very handy to have in the bank for her. Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I I was very much taken by that. Rabbi Ron Yitzhak Eisenman, is there anything else about shul with a view that you'd like to tell us? Well, I would like to tell you, first of all, even though you are right, it's correct, it is uh, based on my articles in Mishpacha, but right. I, there, there are new pieces in there, and also many of the pieces are elongated and lengthened to, I think, a, give more of a proper focus in Mishpacha, which is a beautiful publication. I'm thrilled to write for them, too, but I'm limited to 630 words. Right. So many, most of these articles can you know, go with 1,000, 2,000 words. Um, I'm appreciative of everybody who buys the book. And if I make, at the end of the day, somebody cry, somebody think, and hopefully somebody smile, I'm very satisfied, and I think I've I've done my job. Amazing. Mazel tov on the book. Thank you. Thank you, Nochem, so much. I'm very appreciative of you, of being here. I hope you, Stacy, and the kids are all well. Baruch and it's just a very, it's a special moment for me to be here with you. Honestly, who would have imagined going way back on Amsterdam Avenue? With, <laughs> we'd be sitting at 551 Grant Street uh, talking, talking about to the world. <laughs> right, and you would be this world-famous personality, and I'd be an author uh, writing for Art Scroll. Uh, I, you know, but uh, that's a good story in and of itself, Nachum. I agree. I, maybe I'll make the next show with a yes, view. Who yes, knows? I think you know. I think you will. <laughs> I still remember you saying on the air when you had to say Kaddish, or you were, or no, it was your Purim, right? And you said, "Keep that minion open, the nine thirty minion. I'm on my way." Correct. That was and and Rabbi Marcus made sure to do that for me every single year to keep uh, the Megillah waiting until I walked into the main sanctuary in West Orange, right. and in your shul. 
Yeah. I was once, because I had to say cottage for my father, I was once at the 930 minion. Today it would be a joke. Today I could have a 10, I could have a 1030, I could have an 11. Like, where were you 10 years ago, Rabbi? <laughs> and I, I, I remember when your father's a chronicle of a passed away. I remember seeing you yeah. often at the shul for your father. Correct. But I think 930 was the last minion at that yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Latest uh, minion in truth time. Truth that, we, we, uh, we, we try really not to go after 10. We have 10, but we right. try not to go after because, right. you know. Don't worry, my friends in Borough Park have the same sign up. No minyanim after 10, they go till about 1 o'clock. Okay. <laughs> Look, as long as we're all connecting to Hashem. Right, that's true. You know. Thank you so much for being here. Nachum, thank you so much. Take my recommendation, folks. Sometimes I have really good recommendations. Misora Publications, Art Scroll, Shar Press has published Rabbi Ron Yitzchak Eisenman's book with plenty of brand new material, and it's called Shul with a View, a rabbi's personal journal. Check it out, artscroll.com, and obviously everywhere where you purchase amazing and incredible Judaic. That was my conversation with Rabbi Ron Yitzchak Eisenman. The book is called Shul with a View. Check it out at artscroll.com. Closes out this edition of JM Rewind. Continue listening for more great programming all through the day and all through the week right here at the Nahum Siegel Network.